Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Today's episode presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We also thank our co-presenting sponsor, The Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt has set the start of the fall semester. It will be August the 24th. That is two days earlier than originally planned. Football practice will start early in August, about the same time it usually does. Classes will resume in person or excuse me, we'll wrap up in person on the Friday before Thanksgiving. Everything else will be completed online for the semester. Our guest line, presented by Bolin Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue what I was missing in Bolin Branch sheets until I got some for myself. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BolinBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. How are you today, sir? Man, pimping and shrimping, doing my thing. Brother, how in the world are you doing in the 615? Oh, feels like the sun is coming out a little bit. Um, it's been a, man, it's just been a bleak year in general. Um, but I like there might be baseball, so I'm, optimistic about that which i did not think this time yesterday we're doing this on a wednesday afternoon yeah they better make that happen uh we had a conversation about that on the show i uh, i think they will find a much less forgiving fan base this time around uh if they, if if we don't have baseball this year you know with everything that's gone on and it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard to have uh, you know these these fans understand and being sympathetic to your situation uh coming on a worldwide pandemic you know and then then let letting money be the root of why you don't play baseball that would be a big problem i think we have not gotten a chance to talk the draft uh, that's been almost a week yeah now. um i guess nothing too surprising with Vandy. The Mason Hickman thing was what I was watching. I thought, man, if they get him out of here, then they are really in great shape for next year. And of course, he's not signed yet, but I guess that was the only thing that, I mean, I, I figured you knew Eater was going to get picked. Well, you didn't know anything, right? Because it was such a weird draft. But you right, figured Eater yeah. was going to get picked. I had a feeling that Brown was going to get picked because everybody had him around the top 100. 
In fact, he went about right where everyone had him ranked. So the Martin thing dropping from where everybody thought he'd go at two to five was a was a big surprise to me. But Hickman was the big question. That and Fisher, I really thought Fisher would get taken, maybe, but he didn't. But Hickman was kind of like the one thing that, okay, you, or at least I had built in an expectation that, okay, Eater, Martin, Brown, probably gone. Um, Fisher, decent chance he's gone. You figure they'd lose the two high school outfielders. It looks like they probably will. Uh, and then, so my questions were, does Bradfield indeed not get drafted, which is they thought they were going to hold on to him, and apparently they have, unless he's going to sign a $20,000 free agent contract, which I highly yeah. doubt. Um, and, then, and then Hickman. So, so really it came down to, to me it was like, did they lose Hugh Fisher? No, they didn't. Did they lose Mason Hickman? Uh, I would guess they have. And then do they lose Bradfield, though that they didn't? I think I would still take Hickman. Like, if you could say, what would you rather have if you're Vanderbilt? Would you rather lose Bradfield and Fisher and keep Hickman for one more year? I probably would say yes, just because you figure Hickman's impact next year is going to be tremendous if he were to come back. But I guess all in all, it really wasn't far off course from what I thought they would would end up. Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, there was that, that the Martin thing was a surprise to me. If you'd have told me he was last in the, the to the Blue Jays, I just never would have believed that. A, I love the young nucleus of the Blue Jays. Good grief. Uh, B, uh, I mean, look, I understand. I, we knew Torkelson was going number one. three more slots at Austin Martin and said, we'll go another direction over Austin Martin was mind blowing to me. I never saw that coming. Uh, by the time the draft had run around, remember we talked about this uh, on the lot last podcast that by the time the, the draft had come around a couple of years ago, it was no one surprised. We knew that Brian Weathers was going to San Diego. That happened. Uh, this was kind of same thing with Cal Quantrill. You know, they had a deal in place. Everybody knew it. There was only one name they were going to call. Uh, and matter of fact, I won a lunch bet on, on a buddy of mine who, and he, he was way misinformed. He, he thought that, that Hassel was going in the top five. And I told him, not only was he not going in the top five, I can tell you exactly where he's going. Uh, and this was before the draft, so I didn't cheat. But uh, won a dinner, a lunch bet out of that because uh, I said he's going eighth overall to San Diego. And he did. I think I like Robert Hassel. So uh, I know some some people were surprised that he went ahead of Veen, but as you and I talked about, I think that's about money and about the ability to sign Cole Wilcox, who they drafted a, a potential first rounder at 80th overall. I think that's why they did that. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, I guess that's about where we expected, right? When you say, oh, what was it 19? Is that right? Everything I'd seen with him was in the 17 to 23 range. Yeah, so he 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 kind of pretty much went where he was he was he was slotted to go. Now, uh, let, let, let's go back to Mason for a second. Okay, here's what you have to ask yourself. Now we we almost dodged that bullet. I think it was what less than ten picks left in the in the draft when he was selected. Isn't that right? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, here's the thing that you'd ask yourself, okay, how much can he possibly improve himself? Well, I mean, look at Mason's numbers, Chris. How do you improve on that? I mean, his numbers are, you don't, you can't. His numbers are phenomenal. So even if he were to go out and you got to believe he's probably going to have a little bit less run support this year. Wouldn't you say that's probably fair? I mean, I like our staff, uh, our rotation uh, uh, better this year, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that the run support is probably going to take a little bit of a dip? Well, the, they may never have the run support again that they had in 2019. That lineup was so right. phenomenal. But yes. Right. Right. And I only say that to say that, that that keeps a little bit more pressure on these arms. And I, I can't imagine a scenario in which he significantly improves his draft stock. I just don't see that that's really possible. I mean, if he goes out there and goes 11 and one, you know, with a, with a sub three ERA, I think he's still probably going to be close to where he's at now. So I think Mason's thinking, okay, a, why not start getting paid for this right now? Why put another year of wear on my arm when I'm not going to improve myself? I think Mason's good as gone. Yeah, it is one of those things where, look, this poverty cry with Major League Baseball has gotten pretty ridiculous. They can afford to pay these guys full slot. Uh, what is it? I read a thing the other day. I think the average Major League Baseball franchise appreciates by $175 million a year. Uh, I'm sorry, Ooh. either either you got some pretty stupid billionaires out there who pay the prices they pay for teams uh, – or, or, or maybe you're not hurting for cash is the other alternative. So there's that. So to me it is because he's going to get drafted next year, right? And he's got another year yes. of leverage. So let's say the Indians decide to lowball him and, and give him, what, 120000 or something when the slot for his pick, I want to say, is around 340. Let me look that up as we're sitting here. It's 343, 400. So – Let's say that the Indians decide to lowball him, and I'm going to look up and see in a minute if they sign anybody else. I've got that right here. They have not signed their number four, who is Milan Torrentino. They have, and I'm just checking with their regular slot. They've not signed Petey Halpin, who's a high school outfielder in round three. Love that name. Yeah, and then they've, let's see, who was, I'm looking around two. That's where they had all the sandwich picks. I don't think they had one. Okay, Logan Allen out of FIU, they've not signed. And then their first round pick was Carson Tucker, who's another high school kid. They've not signed him. I think they might have had one more pick in there somewhere. But in any case, we don't know what their bonus situation is yet because I don't think they've signed anybody. But point I'm making is let's say that the Indians lowball him. Right. He can come back and get money next year. So it's a case of would I rather come back and get a year closer to my degree and play for a national title contender, which they will be. I think Aaron Fitz said, I saw this in a tweet, that preseason number one next year will be either Florida or Vanderbilt. I'm guessing it's Florida, but who knows? So point is you're contending for a national title team if you come back. So if you're going to get money now – and it's not substantially less than you're going to get later or not substantially more than you would get later. You got away that year of coming back to college and maybe having a chance to go back to back or, or riding a bus and playing minor league ball. So to me, 
he's a little bit in the driver's seat here. He, I don't think he just has to, yes, he's not going to get a lot more. Yes, he's not going to prove his pro stock a lot. Uh, but there's worse things he could do than come back for another year. Now, do I think he will sign and go pro? Yeah. Yes, I do. But let's wait and see how this plays out because sometimes these things happen when a kid thinks he's going to go pro, but they need a little bit more to sign this guy and a little bit more to sign that guy. And all of a sudden, and that's what happened with Jason DeLay. I think Jason DeLay, he and – was it the Giants or the Orioles? I think it was the Giants. I think all summer they both knew he was going to sign, and then they needed more money for somebody. Uh, and next thing you know, he's back for another year. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, the other thing to think about is, I mean, that's also going to be another – thousand plus in-game pitches on that arm, you know, for no money. I, I mean, I, you've, and you've already won a national championship. So I, I mean, look, it's, it's not my call, but if I'm in his slot, unless they, unless the Indians just totally just give me a ridiculous number, uh, that's an insult, uh, I'm gone. Well, I'll add one more thing, um, without getting too detailed. Um, uh, they're not, the Hickmans are not poor. <laughs> I want somebody to say that about me one day. No, look, I'm not. not I'm not saying they're living in a mansion, <laughs> Beverly Hills. But he's an only child, from what I understand, and I don't think this is one of those things that if he doesn't sign a deal, you know, he's going to look back and go, "Oh my gosh, I financially ruined myself by not taking the Indians up on mm-hmm. whatever I was offered in 2020." I think he'll be okay. Or I can finally buy mom a house or something like that. You right, know, that type right. of deal. I got you. I got you. Okay. I got you. I did not know that. Big ups, Mason. Yeah, the Martin But again, thing, he had a great career. Oh, man. He was – that season last year, What he, he had an ERA right around two. I can't remember if it was a little bit above or a little bit below. I think it was a tick below. But, yeah, he was just phenomenal. You know, and, and the and, thing and, about and him is he was so consistent. I mean, he only had one outing that was semi-mediocre. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. I mean, I just think that – I think, look, I, I, my evaluation is he has nothing left to prove. Scouts know who he is. They, I think they have a pretty decent idea of what they think, uh, you know, his, his floor and ceiling is. And, I, you know, I – you know, I mean, it's great to be in a position where you can, one way or the other, uh, financially doesn't really affect you, whether you do or you don't come back. But if I'm thinking about the longevity arm, you know, why, why tax my arm with another 1,000-plus pitches? Yeah, and I could see that, too. That's why I think he's in a good position. I think if he gets offered a slot, I mean, if I'm him, I'd probably go at that point. Or, But... You know, who knows? I, I, I think that's what he'll wind up doing. But, again, not a lot right, of these now, have were, popped you, with signing yet. That's so. true. That's true. What were you going to say about Martin? Well, I'm just – I'm still in shock over that one. I think that Baltimore is really going to regret that because Hesekir's stat is a really good player, right? The power tool, yeah. the scouts love. He was kind of seen as on the rise, but – I don't want to say there's no comparison between Kierstad and Martin, but I just don't think it's even close as a player. I don't think that's the reason why Kierstad win it too. I think it's signability and what you can do other places. Uh, 
But I would never make that trade-off when you can get a player like Austin Martin, who I think has got a chance to be a all-star for many years to come. I think he's one of the best non-pitching Vanderbilt players that I've ever seen. Uh, wildly talented. And, and we say Baltimore's going to regret it, but, but Chris, they aren't the only one that did it. I mean, you know, Kansas City did too. I, I mean, that should have been – those next two teams should have been like, holy crap, they didn't take him. We got a gift. And they didn't. They didn't take him either. Two more teams didn't. And I, I promise you now, I was sitting there – salivate saying, please, please fall to eight, please fall to eight, which I knew he was never going to do, but you could have got, you could have got a wad of cash off me to tell me he was going to be there available at five for Toronto. I promise you. Did you watch the draft live? Yeah. I've watched I'll this. I've watched it live because I had it on in the studio doing the show. So I did not hear it. I did watch it, but I did not hear it. Yeah. The, the wildest thing was like watching stuff like the, the Rangers and like these guys know these players. I mean, they, they come in like when, when MLB.com gets or not.com, when the MLB network and those analysts get caught off guard, (laughs) that's a really good tell because I mean, these guys probably know 300, 400, 500 players. And if they are a little sketchy on stuff, they can, uh, you know, text a scouting buddy off camera during a commercial break and come back with more info. But like when the Rangers took Evan Carter out of Elizabethan in Tennessee, like he was nowhere near anybody's top 500. And by the way, he signed, um, I don't know if it was slot, but stuff like that, where like a guy that's not in anybody's top 500 going in the top 50, that was just really wild to see. And you got to ask yourself, I mean, what, what did, what did my scouts see that absolutely no one else saw? Now I am always, I, look, I say it when it comes to recruiting, I'll say it when it comes to scouting, you know, if you truly believe it, you go ahead and make it, but it's kind of like you said, you know, in some positions uh, and not in this case, you don't do it because you could have done it with your last pick and done it easily unless you, happen to believe that somewhere uh, between now and then somebody has this, the same idea as you do and they fall in love with somebody about it. If you truly fall in love with somebody, uh, then, then I get it. Now, in the case of like the Red Sox, when they, what was Cat's name? Nick Cole, wasn't that what it was? Uh, uh, that's the not Red, the name. The Red, it's Nick. Um... It's Nick somebody. Uh, yeah, the, the the kid the kid that Boston took the guy that was going uh, to Arizona. You know yeah, about. yeah, the shortstop. Yeah, yeah, you know, he said, okay, well, what what's going on right here? Well, then they draft Blaze Jordan at eighty nine. You know, and look, I mean, I I had already talked to some people that are familiar with Blaze and the family, and they had a number in mind that if 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 they didn't get, then they were going to Starkville for a couple of years and they may very well still do that. But I mean, when you take somebody like they did in that first round and, you know, may, sometimes there's a reason for it. I mean, is it completely inconceivable that J- blaze Jordan uh, signs with Boston, a, that it's Boston and B uh, uh, that maybe they're trying to save some pennies in these other places to try to be able to sign a big, a big name like that at 89. 
No, I think that's exactly what it was. I, I just think that when you get a chance to take a guy that everybody thinks is going to make it and, and probably be a star, because look, I mean, a lot of these guys in the first round, especially later down, some of these guys will never play a game in the majors as good as they are now. Right. Sure. No question. I just don't think you miss that often anymore on these top five picks. And I, I've seen Austin play too much to I mean, the guy hits the ball so hard with such consistency. Uh, I I don't I don't know I I just I think that Boston or excuse me Baltimore will very much end up regretting doing that. Well, that they've got well they've got plenty to regret. I mean, they're already up against it. Uh, but I, I'm right because you know I talk about it. You and I talk about it. You know, with Atley Rushman and and, and Austin Martin in back to back years, how awesome that would have been. A nice little nucleus there, and 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 not and 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 not that their pick is a bad one. It's just I I don't think I think they maximize. Look, when you have to pick that. That high, Chris. Now we can talk about all the other stuff, and that's fine. But the one thing that the Strohs did—they hit on their draft picks. You know, when they were stinking the joint up uh, and they were picking so high, they kept hitting on these guys. You know, you look at their talent. Look at all that homegrown talent that they've got on that roster that they didn't have to go get. That it's their talent. You know, you hit on that. And you you know, that's why I think when you've got a, a sure thing or something as close as possibly can get to it, you know, I, I thought Austin Martin was easy. And, and to be honest with you, Chris, Austin Martin would have been my pick if I was Detroit. If well, I was Detroit, Austin Martin would have been my pick. You're in the minority there, but you're not alone. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care. You know, I, I think – now, let me ask you a question, Chris. Where, where do you envision uh, uh, Torkelson playing position-wise? Well, they drafted him as a third baseman. Yeah, but do you do you do you think that's where he's going to end up? No. Neither do I. You know, and, and you got a guy like Austin who, no, he doesn't have the the power of Torkelson, but what what's Austin a, a four hundred hitter? Is that what he was somewhere around there? Uh three ninety something a year ago. Great on the base pads, can fly. I mean, has, certainly has position versatility. Uh, is, is the pop going to translate? Not so. Not not. I don't think he's a thirty home run a year guy, you know. But for all that he does, I'll take twenty home runs a year for everything else that he does above average. Oh, you know, a power hitters are great and they're wonderful and that's all well and good, but they can't affect the game in as many levels as someone like an Austin Martin can. I believe that with everything I got, which is why it would be an easy pick for me to take Martin over Torkelson. By the way, the Orioles signed, and I don't know when they did this, signed Kobe Mayo, their third round pick out of Stoneman Douglas High School for a million seven fifty, which is about one point two mil over slot. So that tells you what they were doing. They were mm-hmm. they were finding money. That's why they took Kierstad. So yeah. I just I mean and I get it, but to me, if you got somebody like Austin Martin, you just don't pass on it. Yeah. You just don't oh, pass on it. Yeah, you you will get no argument from me. I think that he may be the best hitter that's ever played there. 
man, what a statement that is. And I think that's probably right. But just think about what kind of what kind of state what 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 what's it, what's involved in a statement like that? You know what that what kind of punch that packs with the players that have come through there under Tim Corbin. I mean, and to say that he's with and I by the way I agree with that statement. So you know, we'll say. But anyway, look, it worked out. He ended up top five, and he's going to go have a great career with Toronto. And they're going to be man, they're going to be a you know about two three years. Man, they'll, they'll easily be one of the top hitting teams in the league. You know, I'm trying the to will be for them. The question for them for for Toronto will be: Can they collect enough arms to do something? I'm trying to think what Austin Martin's end of year stat line would have looked like had he played a full season, and I mean average on base slugging and home runs for good measure. And I'm trying to play that in my mind. What what do you think if he plays this year and? It goes all. By the way, they would have been playing in the College World Series right now had they made it. What do you think no. that looks like into the year? The whole stat line. Yeah. We're gonna start. We'll start with average. Uh, I'm gonna say Austin hits 385. What do you say? Over or under. I might go a little under just because, man, you've got to catch some breaks to do it. But I mean, I think that's, I think that's really close to a push. I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll stick with, I'll, I'll stick with, uh, with, with, with three eighty-five. Okay, uh, let's. Take a let's take a look at home runs. How about somewhere around twelve? I was thinking maybe fourteen. Okay, so we're in the same neighborhood. Because he had a two home run game not long. I, I guess it was maybe a week before the season ended. But yeah, there was some pop that had come around. Remember, he had that hamstring injury, so he had missed some time. And I think he was starting to round into form right before the season ended. But yeah, I mean, I think we're in the right range. Question is, are there going to be a lot of solo shots? Are people going to be on the base pads uh, the way they were last year? No, so I'm going to go. Pretty, I'm going to I'm going to lowball him on his on his RBIs, Chris. I'm going to say this may be way too low for this, but I'm going to say 42. I think that's a little low. Uh, by the way, back to the average for a minute. Here's something to consider, okay? He was hitting, oh, where did it go? I don't have his average, but here's the thing. He'd struck out, in 69 plate appearances, he'd struck out twice. So, that I think that was going to bode well for average. Um, and last year, by the way, he hit... Um, what was it? I think three ninety two, three ninety three. Uh, what? That's what he hit last year. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll I'll find it. I've got it right here. But what what do you think on base and slugging he would have done this year? Uh, 
475. I think I would have gone I'm over. Okay. By the way, last year, he hit 10 home runs last year. I'd forgotten he'd hit that many. I thought it was more like seven or eight. He was. Yeah, um, he, 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 yeah 10. 10? Okay. He hit 392 with a 486 on base and a 604 slugging. So I'm thinking 14 might be underselling it. Of course, it depended on, it would have depended on how far they got, right? Right. And my guess is they were going to end up in Omaha with just the pitching they had and the fact that their hitting was going to get better. I don't think it would always have been pretty, but I think they were going to get better. I think he might have ended up with over a 500 on base, maybe 510 or so. Okay, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. That's And probably that's slug 650. Well. I mean, that's a that's a Golden Spikes award right there. Yeah, I think so. I think he's that caliber player. So, yeah, I, I think we're pretty close in the same neighborhood about what uh, the expectations were numbers-wise. You know, I, I mean, we'd say 10 home runs last year. And what did he bat? 392. 10 and 392. I said 10 and 385, something like 12 and 385. Yeah, I mean, that's probably right somewhere in that neighborhood. The dude's a phenomenal player. There's no doubt. You ready to go to the mailbag? Let me hang on. Let me think about this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanable Fan and independent insurance agent Josh Minton of Brentwood. Do you need home, auto, motorcycle, renters, landlord, life, or commercial insurance? Josh is a guy to contact. Call him at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Facebook at J.D. Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. I think you'll be pleased. Three questions from Five Star Door. This one, the first being, what are your thoughts on the current 2021 recruits next fall? The What was he asking? The, 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 commit, the, the class right now that's committed so far? Yeah, the guys that are still in high school okay. a year ago. Right. Yeah, okay. Um you know, it's all right. It's uh, uh, there's there's a, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I like the big offensive lineman, the Jake. Uh, what's his face? Ketchik, I think it is, or something like that. You know, I was kind. Of, I went back and was watching him. He's pretty nasty. You know, he he's he, he's a physical dude, man. He's about three fifteen, three twenty, and uh, he's already pretty physical, man. Uh, I think that's what this offensive line needs. They need some toughness, man. They need some nasty about it. You know, Chris, they looks to have a little bit of that. I'm okay with. It. You, you, you remember what was the name of the young man who, and it ended up not working out, and he left. He ended up leaving, but I mean, he played early. Remember Logan Stewart? Yeah, Logan was man a good ball player. He was a good football player, and he had a little nasty about him. We need more of that, and maybe, hopefully, Ross Amando is, is, you know, he's the one out there looking for those cats, and hopefully we can find some of that. So I like him. Uh, I like, uh, of course, how do you not like a top-ten prospect from Louisiana, Chris? I mean, uh, but just not beyond the ranking, the, 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 the Beck cat is just a – a phenomenal football player. There's no doubt. Um, uh, Tyrion Sergic is, is, is the type of defensive tackle that we've needed, you know, and, and he's, 
he's an upgrade for us. There's no question about that. So there's, there's a couple of bright spots. It's, it's not overwhelming by any stretch of imagination and it's uh, par for an SEC school, uh, but it's not a terrible class. And then they still have a chance to, uh, to add on to that clearly and, 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 and do better. But I think it's sitting somewhere like 65th or something like that in the country, which is not what we need. We need to be inside the top 50, uh, really in, inside the top 40 to be competitive, I think on an annual basis, but, uh, it's all right. I mean, it's got some nice pieces to it, no doubt. And, and, you know, I told you, you and I just dis- disagree on this, but I, I'm telling you right now, I like Ezra McAllister and I think he's going to make, I, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I believe that. Yeah. This is usually about the time where they start piling up recruits in the class. Yeah, Although but, this is oh, a weird year, but I mean, this is, this is like the last few years. Right at the end of June is when they, you know, all of a sudden you look up and they go from zero to to eleven in like three weeks. That's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And they're on in on some decent players. I know they're not. I don't really see them in on a bunch of superstar studs. You know that that everybody's going to be following the recruitment of said player. I don't see a lot of those this year. Uh, and I honestly, you know how I feel about it. I just. I'm, Disgusted at our inability to uh, attract anything in state these days. We're almost two full cycles in, and we've got a long snapper, and that's it from this state. I don't. And I'm, I mentioned some shots and well, you won three games. I don't give a damn. Uh, I, I don't care if you win no games. You need to be able to attract. You tell me that no Division One players in this state, and don't give me this. I get so tired of hearing this. Kids want to go away from home and see the world. Yeah, stop, stop that. Because while yes, that is true, all these schools that are just like us, look at their. You gonna tell me they don't have any at Northwestern or nobody from North Carolina and Duke because everybody wants to go away from home. Get out of here with that. I'm not having that. Uh, It's about the product. It's, it's, it's about winning and losing, but I mean, you know, we don't win. So nobody wants to be here, but I mean, I'm trying to figure out why we can't even get some of these young cats in this state excited about it, trying to cultivate it and say, because think about it like this, you know, even before they really started winning, uh, you know, we've had years in the past where we were still able to go out. I mean, look, the, having a little success inside of the state, and we weren't winning, but he was still having success inside the state. And now we're almost two cycles in, and we've got a long snapper, and that is it. And that's not anything in sim because you got to have one, and we're glad to have him. But nobody, no Division One players want to play in the state. They just lost a young man uh, over in East Tennessee that committed to Virginia today. I mean, they're striking out left and right in this state, and nobody wants to play here inside this state. And I, I mean, it's just stunning to me that you can't find anyone to live in Nashville, get a world-class education and play in the Southeastern Conference and nobody's taking it. How is that even possible? Next one, who has a chance to make an early impact? I think he means among the players that were just discussed in the 2021 class. Oh, I think Beck. I think Beck because I think he looks physically ready to play. Uh, and and again, Sergic again is another name. And I, by the way, there's another young man that's not committed, but I know they're after. 
able to do very well is attract younger brothers, right? <laughs> he's had a very solid track, even when you think he's not going to do it. Uh, he ends up winning in those battles. Uh, who love to see them bring him on campus uh, and get him in the fall. He's a big, very impressive looking young man. Uh, but as but as far as early impact, I would I would say Beck and and Sergic because Sergic, you look, I mean his body, uh, he's got one of those bodies I wouldn't try to reshape it. I like the way it is right now. I, I see him in the interior defensive line, uh, kind of like a bowling ball with knives on it, just shredding folks. Uh, you know, of course he'll get stronger. We understand all that, but uh, I think he and Beck both could probably come in and 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 have. A, a pretty nice impact because I think so, some of the same things are going to happen this year. Uh, like with some of our young receivers, you know, now some people may disagree with me on that, but I, I think one or maybe more of our young receivers have a chance to, uh, because think about it like this, Chris, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Ken Seals or Mike Wright or Danny Clark, or, uh, uh, the, the, was it the young man's name? Uh, Masoli, is that right? Chris, am I saying it right? I may yeah. be saying it wrong. Um, who, who, whoever it is, I mean, they don't really have rapport with anybody yet. You know, this is an opportunity to, uh, to really build up. So if these freshmen can come in and, 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 and build a repair, a rapport early with these quarterbacks, maybe they've got a shot to do something early on. Uh, I think it's wide open as far as that goes. And I would not be surprised the next two classes to see young wide receivers come in and have an impact. Last one. What would you consider a successful football season for the Commodores? 12 and 0. <laughs> Chris. Ah, boy, a successful season. Man. I think a success look, I, I think a success here's 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 what a successful season is. A successful season this year would be uh, a team who goes out there who, you know, I think they have to win at least a conference game. You know, I, I don't think they're going 4-0 in the, in the non-conference. A couple of those games, or three of them really, are uh, very questionable to win. But let's just say they go 3-1. and one. I think they need to win a conference game. I don't know who it'll be. I don't care who it is. I think this team needs to win four games at least. I think this team needs to uh, have a clear definition of who the quarterback of the future is. And by the time the end of the season rolls around, you start getting real excited about the next two or three years. Uh, I think a successful season would be that the two new coordinators that we have in place have truly made an impact that it is just a matter of, even if we go four and eight and nobody wants to, but if we go four and eight or have a, a, a bad record, it's only because the inexperience on the offensive line and at quarterback, but that there is a blueprint that we see some young offensive linemen starting to step up and that it becomes a matter of reps and that at least just at the moment right now, they're outgunned, but that there's a plan in place, that there's a quarterback in place. The coordinators are making a difference that someone has stepped up. And while that may not be Keyshawn Vaughn is showing that they are the bell cow, uh, bell cow running back going forward for the next couple of years, uh, things like that. You know, 
you know, that uh, that we establish a, a solid offense, our defensive line, that the secondary makes strides because from a talent standpoint, they have some, uh, you know, somebody to get consistent pressure on the quarterback, you know, things like that. I don't have to have a bowl game this year. I don't, I fully do not expect one. Uh, but those things right there, those things get done. And this team finds a way to scrap four wins together. I mean, I'm not going to love going four and eight, but, you know, if they answer some of those questions, I, I could chalk that up as, as, as successful. My friend, thank you for joining us today. Any parting thoughts before we end the show? Mm, yes. Try somehow. I know you all are the most brilliant people that ever lived, but try to be a little bit kinder to each other on the board, please. I mean, I don't care what your philosophies are. I don't care what your stance is. Do what you do. But let's just try to stop running each other down and stop, for the love of God, stop making everything political. We all get enough of it in our daily life. Everywhere we turn, this needs to be a place where we can go and get away from that for five minutes. We have a coffee shop. You want to do it? Use that. But please... Man, I, there's nothing more that I love than coming home, home and reading the board. And it's harder to do because you just rip into each other like tackles. Can you please knock that off? I mean, they, everybody's already asked you to do it, so I'm going to ask you to do it too. Just stop. Just stop. I'm into that. And with that, tell people where they can find you on social media and, and your show also, Man. of course. Yeah, you can find my show at 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday uh, on 101.5 in Jackson, Tennessee, and, of course, on Twitter at at Cheap Seats Bass. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast.